Well, welcome back everyone to the podcast that is all about the drivers. We continue today's conversation with Arnisa Johnson as she talks about work-life balance, career advancement, and driver training school. Yeah, I, I know we were talking about, you know, drivers and, you know, it's, it is a family, or, or the Greyhound family, then they've got their extended family, like the real family, you know, children, wives, husbands, brothers. And one thing I've noticed is, I guess, a lot of the family issues, the real family issues, sometimes merge over into work issues, right? You can't, you can't be there at a time. You got to take care of this. You got to take care of that. You know, how, how does your, how do you and your team handle those type of things with your drivers? You have to make people feel comfortable to come to you to talk about personal things. Yeah. So believe it or not, there from the very first time that they meet you, they're checking you out. You mm. know, they're trying to see, you know, your demeanor. You know, are you approachable? So you have to make sure that you are an approachable kind of person. But I go beyond that. If I meet, most times I try to go, if I'm at the uh, terminal and they're having interviews, I try to go in there and introduce myself to them even before they become uh, candidates to go to school. And so they've seen my face already and I share with them the truth about our company and how mm -hmm. it had changed their life once they become you know, a driver and how important it is that they communicate with their families and make sure that they're on board with what they're doing because mm -hmm. it's a life-changing uh, job. It really is. And if you don't have all those key people, you know, backing you up, you're, you're going to fail at this job. You're not going to be able mm -hmm. to come to the job when you're needed to come and then go home and, you know, have a lot of issues at home and then expect to get your rest and come back in. So we start from the very beginning and I like to call my new hires and see how things are going after they've been out. You know, after 48 hours, I try to hit everybody up and say, hey, how was that first ride? You know, and, you know, get some feedback from them. Oh, it was scary, Miss Johnson or this and that. And then we try right. to encourage them when they have things to do. This is the most important. If you have unexpected things come up, don't hide it. Don't don't wait. Don't do it the wrong way. Don't miss mm -hmm. out. Call someone. And and most times they'll say, well, I called OSC. No, call your local management team. If you can't reach them, call me, you know, so that we can right. at least, you know, put someone in place that can uh, take your job if you're not going to be able to take the job out. Right. That's a good point, because I think a lot of drivers get frustrated. You know, OSC is a big call center. I mean, there's good people there, you know. You know, Frank excluded. They, all, you know, there's some good people that came out of the OSC. <laughs> and I say that because you know, Frank, Frank was there. It is a tough job, but you can't develop that personal relationship, or it's really difficult to do it with the dispatcher on the phone, especially when you're new. I think it's great advice to try to handle those things through your local supervisor by building that relationship with them early on. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, one of the things that we talk about during the mentor training is to how to compartmentalize your life. Right. You know, you're, you're a driver, then you're your mother or your sister or whatever your case may be. How do you how did you learn to compartmentalize your life so that those things that you had at, that were bothering you maybe at home, you didn't bring those into the workplace with you and you allowed you to be a successful driver? I had an advantage. <laughs> the military taught me that first. I did 12 <laughs> years in the service. There and I go. had children during that time. And, um, you know, the military always put you in a mindset of being prepared. So we always had to be prepared in case of deployment. You know, who would take your children? How would you get them there? And, 
And so that's how I, I live my lifestyle when I came to Greyhound. Uh, I made sure that um, when I got home within the first hour, I gave my kids, you know, time with me and, you know, conversations and let them know, you know, I'm there for them. And then I lay down and got my rest on my days right. off. You know, I made sure that I spent that quality time. But, you know, I had a good support system and that's important. You, you have to have a good support system, you know, raising children. And I was a single parent at one time, mm. you know, while I was doing the job. But I had a great support system. And that support system, whenever I needed to roll out, they, they knew that was money. So it was time to go, you know, <laughs> and they took care of my kids while I was gone. And I felt, you know, that they were in a safe environment and that always helps. But when you don't have uh, a great support system and you're trying to do this job, it can it can really uh, be a hardship on you. Mm -hmm. It really can. It really can. Well, number one, thank you for your service. I didn't realize you were part of the military. I should have known that. Yeah. now uh, mm -hmm. you can tell you got that i don't know there's something about people that have spent time in the military you can just <laughs> tell it you can just tell them when you see them and they're and they really are good people um, a lot of great greyhound drivers served in the military for sure absolutely uh, yeah it sounds like remember frank ebony was telling us ebony barrett she was our first driver we had on the That's podcast right. she had a very very i mean it was it's almost like you guys rehearsed that between you and ebony about how uh, how important it is to have the uh, support system at home uh it's, especially when you're a female driver at Greyhound and making sure your family's being taken care of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she had a similar story about driving into New York. So <laughs> New York. She did. You're know. right. We may need to look at New York. <laughs> yeah. Either get smaller buses or a bigger tunnel. It sounds like. That's right. <laughs> Well, well, you know, me and Ebony both are from the South, you know, so that, you know, people that's up in the North, they're used to all of that. We're, you know, that was new to us. Very true. Right. Very true. Well, you think we should send all of our Southern drivers to New York for a deployment for a couple of months just so they can get it out of their system? Or you think they'll all be shell-shocked and have, you know, PTSD and never come home again? Well, you, you, you know, Mike, uh, the truth is um, I thought it was a great experience that during the training time, and that's what a two-week school would help with, too. Mm. It was important. Paul would not allow it not be so a driver go not go through the tunnel during training with an hmm. instructor it was mandatory we had to take the students through the tunnel and i don't mean once we took them in brought them out go to newark turn around let them go back in again and hmm. we took them during the most heaviest times of the day so that they can get that fear out of them and right. that that helped me as a driver uh, you know, because I had an opportunity, they were taking buses up there to New York during my four week training and I had an opportunity to go. Otherwise, I really would have been, it would have been even worse on me not having seen that tunnel at all. But right. when they had the two week school in Atlantic City, it was mandatory and going in the mountain, mountain driving is different. You know, we had opportunity to go into the mountain. That was our 10 day, a 10 hour day where we had the students okay. in get the nighttime driving in. So there, there's a lot of things that, you know, they, they're not getting uh, that I think would be excellent if we had a two-week school. I've talked about that. We need to keep looking at the way we do training, um, the way we, in the way we get people to teach and the consistency. Um, you know, the art instructors are the best of the best, but even, well, them, <laughs> even they can get better. You know, I think mm -hmm. it's all about getting better. 
And I love the fact that you said when you decided to go into management, it was really to help the company get better as well as yourself, right? It was kind mm-hmm. of a challenge. I'm thinking it's a challenge for yourself to get better, but you also knew that you had a chance to serve the drivers and to serve the company by taking that step into management. Mm-hmm. My dream job for this company, though, was Paul Wright's job that I always uh, try to step into that, but it just wasn't never the right time. So mm-hmm. I, I did what I needed to do because I, I believe training is very important. That That's the cornerstone of where we begin. And if we get it right there, then we're going to have some successful people. But if we don't, we're going to fail because I do hear different uh, students, some from the Dallas, some from the Chicago, then from, oh, it's strict in Atlantic City. That's what they say all the time. It's strict in Atlantic City. So the training was somewhat different, but I should be able to walk through the Dallas door, the Chicago door, the Atlantic City door, and it looked the same. There should be consistency in application, consistency in presentation, syllabus, night driving, whatever it is. Yes, absolutely. It all has to be the same. Absolutely. If you have uh, instructors who train from the inside of the bus, then all the instructors should train from the inside of the bus. If all of your instructors train from the outside of the bus, if that's what you think is better, then all of the instructors train from the outside of the bus, which I don't agree with. But uh, that's my opinion. I think Mm. an instructor should be on the inside of the bus to help correct things sooner than later. What would your recommendations and advice to be to people, you know, drivers that want to advance their career opportunities to company? Is there some, you know, some tips and some recommendations you would make to those folks? One of the things that I do say to, like when I had an opportunity to go up to the school a couple weeks ago, and I share with them, this is your start of your beginning of your career. You have to set the tone now for anything that you want to do in the future with this company by doing the right thing, making sure you're adhering to policies and procedures, uh, making sure that you're taking care of the, the company, the customers, yourself, your family. These are the things that you have to start. This is day one of the rest of your life, you know, with this company. Mm -hmm. And you have to begin it now so that in the future, if moving over into management is something you want to do, your record can speak for you. You don't have to open your mouth. Your your reputation precedes you. Mine did. Mm -hmm. People knew me that I didn't even know. You know, I introduced myself. They said, oh, you, Miss Johnson. I was like, is that good or bad? You're right. It's a tight knit group. People, you know, people know other people and their records do matter. I also tell them, you know, sometimes it takes giving up some of your own time if you want to move forward. And and as an example, I use myself when I wanted to become an instructor and I wanted to be a great instructor. When they did a route break in at the home location on my off day, I would go and sit on the bus with the instructor Mm. while he's with the student. And I'd listen and I, you know, how he instructed you know, what was the things that he did to keep the attention of the other three students while the one person was driving? And I mean, Mr. Deberry, he he showed the way how to do it. You know, he mm. kept everybody engaged. You know, the driver that was driving, the, the students, they had to do an on and off sheet, you know, of how many customers got on at each stop. And, you know, he'd say, really? okay, we got six customers here. I, yeah, he taught them how to use that um, the the form to do the on and off counts and yeah, everything. So envelope. he kept everybody engaged. One thing I always tell the uh, new drivers or new mentors that I interact with, 
I was like, we can teach you how to drive, but we can't teach you how to, to have a heart for the customer. Mm-hmm. So talk, talk to us a little bit about that, Arnisa. I mean, did you have to develop that or did you kind of have that already? It's, uh, you know, it's, it's behaviors. You know, I say that all the time. We can teach you and give you what you need, but the behavioral part you have to uh, settle into. And and we have a lot of uh, young people who haven't dealt with the public, you know, mm. and you're dealing with people of different walks of life and different nationalities, and you, you have to be careful. I'll give you, for instance, I had a gentleman that got on my bus in New York City, and I said, sir, I said, yes, sir, don't call me sir. And so I got confused, you know, because I was like, okay, um, he said, call me Frank, you know, so you just, just have to be prepared and don't take things personal. And if I had been a person who said, well, what am I supposed to call you? No, uh-uh. I was like, yes, sir. And then he was like, no, don't call me, sir. Call me Frank. So you have to really grow into this business when it comes to dealing with customers because you're not going to satisfy everyone so a lot of things that i did even as a city manager i brought my people to the floor with me when there was challenges with customers i wanted them to see how i handled the situation even when a person was being irate you know using profanity you know Mm. you always teach them by leadership you know bring people away from the crowd because people tend to want to do things when there's a crowd so you always Mm. bring that one person the ringleader and you bring them away from everybody else so you have to teach you you know Mm. that's the thing that i did mostly as i grew with this company i learned by trial and error you know like everybody else sometimes and some things I continued to do and some things I changed. So I got better as time went, went along. And so that's what you have to realize about your new hires that's coming into the company. They have to learn these things and you can't jump all over them because they don't know it instantly. You have mm-hmm. to give them an opportunity to grow. And you have to speak to them in a manner that they can receive what it is that you need them to know. Because if, you're, if they feel like you're scolding them, they are adults. You know, mm-hmm. so we need to speak to them as adults. Also, awesome. Arnisa, I appreciate you so very much for being on. You're such a pleasant presentation, a pleasant person, professional person, heart for, for, for our customers and your team. That's quite evident. And you, and you carry yourself in such a way that we all can learn from it at any time. So thank you so much for being on, giving us a little bit of your time. Thank you for having me. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is going to do it for today's podcast. But before we go, drivers, remember putting on that crisp uniform to take your very first road trip? Let's get you back to that feeling. Design Collective by Centos has the apparel you need to make every day feel like the first. Visit shop.mycentos.com or call 800 211 0314 to shop all your uniform needs. Well, once again, that does it for today's podcast, but be sure to tune in next week to hear more conversations that are all about the drivers.